You have the American dream. You own your own business. But owning a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for helping Small Business Celebration reach a significant milestone. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why. 1,750-plus small business owners, partners, general managers, presidents, and CEOs connect with Small Business Celebration on a weekly basis. When you consider Kern County has just over 10,000 small businesses, 1,750-plus weekly connections is a big deal. We want to thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guests today are John Slagle and John Luke Slagle, the owners of Scope Studios. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And we are recording this here in the studios of Scope Studios here on uh, Nor- uh, North Chester. Yeah, 34th and Chester, yep. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you guys do here at Scope Studios. Scope exists to help passionate people communicate. Hmm. Most of the time, that communication takes place in the form of videos, motion graphics. We do a lot of TV advertising, things like that. But at the end of the day, we are trying to use the skills that we've gained in communication, specifically in visual communication, to help passionate people connect with their audience. And we're very specific that we work with people who are passionate about what they do. Many times um, those people are contributing to society in some larger way, and we want to do work that's meaningful. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, at the end of the day, we're trying to help those people communicate and communicate well. And you communicate that very well, Jean-Luc. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I should. I should be able to do that if we're trying to help others. Yeah, in essence, we're digital storytellers. Mm. We help people tell their story. Mm -hmm. That's our job. Right. Because a lot of times people will do something for a long long time, Mm -hmm. and they don't see themselves in a whole picture. Mm. And we're able to come in, take a look from the outside, and then just lay it out in a way that helps other people understand what they do. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing this, John? I've been doing this for <laughs> about 30 years. Wow. So it started off in San Diego as, a, as an extra in a movie. <laughs> and then uh, I started doing some acting, and uh, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't getting really good parts because I didn't look very good. So one day I asked if I could be, uh, if I could come work on the set because my idea was if I can figure out what they're doing, I could get better jobs or I might be able to get an acting gig. Mm -hmm. And once I showed up on the set for some reason, I just, I adapted to it just immediately. Mm -hmm. I knew what needed to be done. I could anticipate and um, and so that's how I, I actually got started. And one one day I'm on a set and I I was working with this producer and, and I said to him I asked him I said how did you become a producer Did you you know Did you go to school or something 
And he looked at me and he just said, no, produce something. <laughs> and an epiphany Wise went words. off. You know, and so that's how I got started is just saying, okay, let's just put something together. And that's a valuable insight right there is so often people want to have everything mm. perfect, everything just right before they launch into something. Sure. And that piece of advice is very sage because just produce something. Just do it. Just yeah. create it. Yeah. yeah. And then you moved up here, you started off in San Diego, and you came up to Bakersfield. And how long was it between when you started the business here in Bakersfield and before Jean-Luc came aboard? You know, let me go back just a little bit because, you know, I've got a, I've got a great history. After I started in, um, in, in video in mm -hmm. San Diego, I ended up working for John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. And he had just started. The uh, John C. Maxwell? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so I worked for him for seven years in the beginning of his, uh, in the beginning of his organization, mm. and helped him uh, get launched. And I mean, I'm not taking credit for his <laughs> launching, but I was behind the scenes duplicating his tapes and helping him with uh, his productions. And that's where I learned the craft. Mm. And then we felt years later that uh, God called us up to Bakersfield to, uh, to come here. And so. Um, we started our business over about 15 years ago, mm -hmm. and um, in fact, it was a it was a tax credit from George Bush mm -hmm. that I bought my first piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, I took my tax credit, my wife's tax credit, it was $800, and I bought a, a CD duplicator with it. And from that CD duplicator, I bought a computer, and from that computer, I started editing, and from that, I built my business. Yeah, and it sounds like. Even though you started off with the tax credit, it really wasn't very much. And so mm. you essentially bootstrapped the company and grew it from nothing before you even looked at any kind of bank loans or any kind of investment right. as far as that kind of a thing right. goes. As the process, as you grew and developed and, that's, and developed the business and developed the company, John Luke came along. Yes. <laughs> And uh, how uh, how long have you, Jean-Luc, been involved with business with your father? Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been maybe six years, seven years. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that John's always been really good at, and it's it's sort of weird. I have to, I feel like I got to call him John when it's in a professional <laughs> environment. Because, like, I don't want to be yelling. Because he's just dad. I don't want to yell dad, you know, on a <laughs> professional set with clients and all that. But one of the things that he's been really good at over the years is, like, um, leveraging value mm. and I think that he, from the very beginning he started off with the thing that he needed and then he grew that thing and bought more assets that would grow the business and when I jumped in about five six years ago I was just trying to build on that idea mm. with every job that we did we were really intentional on trying to leverage the value of the job for the next job. Mm. And I remember I remember specifically, it was like for, for a couple of years, we were making commercials that I would say, like they looked like what they cost, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. was an incredibly high value. And then one day we decided we're just going to put a bunch of like time and effort into this thing so that we're proud of it. And mm -hmm. it looks like it cost five times what it actually cost. Right. And we did that. I don't remember what the project was, but we did that. And it was like probably like a thousand dollar thing. We made it look like it cost $5,000. Yeah. And then what that basically allowed us to do is we had something that whether or not the client paid for it, 
it cost $5,000. Like we put our time and sweat equity into that. Right. And ever since then, every project we've done, we've tried to put a little bit more sweat equity into the end product than the client is paying for. Mm -hmm. And I think that that served our clients well, but that served us well too, because we can then leverage that to the next client right and have a product that truly does cost that truly did cost more than they paid for it and that's kind of how we've scaled our pricing model mm -hmm. um because as as i'm not sure many people know but um production itself line production advertising is is probably somewhat uh niche in a market like bakersfield where mm -hmm. in a market like la or san francisco it's much more ubiquitous and every company is going to spend you know, easy 50, 70 grand on big commercials. The big ones are, you know, 500, 700, a million dollars and that right. no one bats an eye. But in a market like Bakersfield, mm -hmm. spending $10,000 on a video when you could hire a, you know, wedding photographer, not bashing wedding photographers, they're <laughs> amazing, amazing people. But in a market like Bakersfield, it's more difficult for people to, uh, justify an expense like that that they're not used to. So um, leveraging our value and showing people um, w what high-end production looks like mm -hmm. when there wasn't necessarily an appetite for it to begin with has been a big part of how we've, you know, scaled our, our business. Yeah, we're now able to um, provide a, a national look mm -hmm. to our, our spots that uh, we work on that you before could only get in LA or Los Angeles, I mean, or San Francisco or New York. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be able, even in the Central Valley, to bring a high-end look, a high-end concept, and be able to deliver a product that's far above what's normal for this market. Ron, why are you wearing an elf hat? It's October, the month of Halloween. It's because I'm thinking about my employees at Geronco's top clients that are going to have holiday parties this year. You're thinking about holiday parties in October? You betcha. Well, you need to plan ahead. You're going to need tables and chairs and flatware and glassware, depending on the size it is. Uh, weather's rolling in. You may need a tent. may need some heaters. So you want to plan ahead and call us as soon as possible so we can make sure we have the year on hold. But what if I want to reserve all of our party needs from you at Dronco Party Rentals? Michael, I'll let you and any member of Visioner Nation that listens to the podcast come down to our shop at 7501 East Brundage Lane, right here in Bakersfield, or give us a call at 661-325-0855. Or check out our website at Jaronco Rentals, that's J-O-R-O-N, co rentals.com wait let me get a piece of paper and write that down what was that 7501 east brundage lane here in bakersfield or give us a call at 325-0855 or check us out on our website at joronco rentals that's j-o-r-o-n-c-o rentals.com that's 7501 brundage lane here in bakersfield 661-325-0855 or at Jeronco Rentals, that's J-O-R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. We're here today with John Slagle and John Luke Slagle of Scope Studios. And John, the thing that has intrigued me is that your creative style has rubbed off on the next generation. 
Literally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to investigate a little bit into this notion that you talked about, John Luke, about mm. helping clients be credible in their own way. Yeah, yeah. And explain to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think maybe tw- 20, 30 years ago, the the threshold for appearing credible was a lot different than it is today. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if you had a business card that was decently typeset and you were wearing a suit, most people would trust you. Mm-hmm. But uh, the world's a lot different now, and the threshold for coming across as credible is a lot different. Um, and how so? How is that different? You know, I think a, a good example is... is a mistake I see happen a lot in a market like Bakersfield on a, a specific visual medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me explain. So on a, let's take a billboard, for example. I would say that 20 years ago, you could put up a billboard and just put some words on there in your logo and just say, honesty, respect, hard work, you know, integrity. integrity. And, and people would read that and be like, oh, yeah. I, I, I identify with that. And because things like that have been so ubiquitous over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. the market is just so saturated with words like that. They're just buzzwords now. And mm-hmm. I think most people, you know, I identify as a millennial. Well, I mean, I don't really have a choice of which generation <laughs> I identify with, but I'm a millennial. And I think most people think maybe millennials are more sensitive to that sort of thing, like we've heard it more. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone in every generation is is uh, has been so exposed to that type of communication right. that it really doesn't have that great of an effect anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, when you simply put those words in front of people and expect the words themselves to do the heavy lifting of being credible, it just doesn't really work anymore. And, and so, so what do you do now to, to change that? I, the world is so visual. Videos are everywhere. As you know, on, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, um, most of the communication that's done is not necessarily using the same means or mediums that people used to use. We have so many more avenues available. So I think that comes down to being credible visually. Mm -hmm. You can't just say honesty, integrity, hard work. You have to create a look that shows people that you're honest, that comes across as integrous, and that illustrates that you work hard. And I think that's the thing that's different. Whereas 20 years ago, you could really get get away with just saying those things and, you know, wearing a nice suit. Today, um, people expect more and you have to visually show that you're credible, not just say that you're credible. For a business owner that's listening to this, what would you recommend that they do, whether they offer a product or a service? What is something that they should start thinking about or should start doing Yeah, that that can help with that mind shift that you just talked about. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, all of this comes down to having a a framework of processing information. We were talking about story brand earlier. Mm -hmm. I think that's one framework for processing information. We sort of have our own internal, um, I would call it, you know, proprietary (laughs) framework of processing information. Sure. And I think that um, communication is this linear set of, of logic that leads from one box to the next. Give us an example of how you would do that. Yeah, so I think at the beginning of that whole framework, it starts with um, having a a target and having a strategic goal. Mm. And 
I am often surprised by how many even successful businesses don't have those two things defined. Mm -hmm. And we're not necessarily the ones to define your strategic goal as a business. I think you have to define where you want to go as a business. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we do, which is to help people communicate, it this is like five, six boxes down. Mm -hmm. We have to have all these other things set. Therefore, we communicate this way to this audience. Therefore, you know what I mean? Some people will just come in and say, yeah, I want more customers. I want to do a commercial. Mm. It's like, it's way more than that. Sure. It's way more than that. And you can explode that idea or expand it and say, you know, I, I have a specific sales goal mm -hmm. and this is my target demographic and therefore we can create a communication that will get you there. Mm -hmm. But I think often people um, go a little bit too far down that chain of thought to begin with and mm -hmm. start with the end product or the or the communication piece they want to do a commercial or a web video or w any number of things but i think what we've observed is that to truly be successful in a communication mm -hmm. and i think for us at the end of the day a tv commercial a video is just a form of communication a targeted mm -hmm. communication in order for a communication to be successful it has to follow this linear line of thought that's going to get you where you're going. Otherwise, you know, you don't know, you don't know how you're defining success. Say we put a great-looking commercial together. If you don't have a clear target, you don't have a clear strategic goal. Who's to know if it was successful in a year or so? You mm -hmm. know. Yeah. So I think the, to get back to your original question, I think the two most important things that companies can do on a local level that should be pretty easy to do today mm -hmm. is to really define your target, mm -hmm. whether that's a, a demographic, a psychographic, how people are organizing groups of people is changing. Mm -hmm. It's largely based on cultural values now, whereas, you know, 10 years ago is maybe um, organized based on income and ethnic background. People are, are different and associate for different reasons now, but defining your target is so hugely important to your success with communication. And then having clear strategic goals, you want to grow your, you know, hit a certain sales number, you want to get X number of leads, you got to have a specific goal, and then a company like ours can help you accomplish that specific goal. Or, or brand recognition. Sometimes we represent companies that have a product that you don't necessarily need today, sure. like mm -hmm. plumbing or attorneys. And so um, what we try and do is, you know... You, because most of us, we don't care about plumbers until we have a leak right. or our toilet stopped up. Right. Now we care, and we'll go and look online or on Google, um, you know, plumbing companies. And what we'll do is we'll gravitate to those companies that we like sure. or that made us feel good about ourselves mm -hmm. or made a, or entertained us. And yeah. so, you know, like plumbing, plumbers with a you know, butt crack isn't funny anymore. It's right. just kind of gross, and, and <laughs> you know, that's not the way you want to proje uh, project your company. Yeah, right. And Brand recognition and, and like, um, you know, market um, saturation, th those things are probably harder to uh, measure for the average company, but it's still a goal. Getting, you know, greater brand recognition in Bakersfield is still a good strategic goal. There are companies that can measure that mm -hmm. and uh, 
I think most of the time that's pretty expensive for the average company, but that's, that's been a goal that a lot of clients that of ours have had. And I think mm-hmm. we've been pretty successful at doing that, but it comes back to, they have a clear target and they have a clear strategic goal. And then we were able to come up with a, a concept and execute a production that helped them to meet those goals. And sometimes it's us sitting down with the client and defining that target and sure. helping them think through what they want to do. Who is your, who are, who's your audience? And then what do you want them to do? Now we can go back to the beginning and figure out how we're going to get there. Even John C. Maxwell, and I'm paraphrasing him, of course, but even he said that even a golf course has a flag on where to aim for. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to know where, you have to know where you're going. Yeah. As a small business owner, you are a visioneer, a pioneer with vision. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to do and have, but you need a confidential second set of eyes to help you get there. Small Business Celebration can be those eyes. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session. See the forest through the trees. Realize your vision. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. We're here with John Slagle and Jean-Luc Slagle here at Scope Studios. And I wanted to take a moment and talk a little bit about the challenges that you got, that you both faced because you were very heavy on creative. You were bootstrapping the business. You were growing it. But it really didn't take off until Jean-Luc really got involved with the business. Yeah, yeah. And tell us a little bit about... First of all, how did that happen? And more importantly, your personal perspective on acknowledging the situation and being willing to say, you know what, Jean-Luc is right. Put my own personal self aside and let's go in this direction. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, um, I had started doing television commercials and I, I got good. I was fast. I was creative. Um, I was working with um, some sales rep from TV stations who needed uh, uh, somebody to do production for them, and I got good at it. I was doing 75 to 125 commercials a year. Wow. And I'm mean, churning them out. But and the, considering there's 365 days in a year, 100 commercials is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I wasn't making much money on them because the television stations were selling air. And they just needed some production to get them on air. Right. And so they would never work with the client to you know, portion any money for production. So mm-hmm. it was like, well, we only have like $800 for this. Or we only have this much for it. Can you do it? And then I would say, yeah, yeah, I'd do it. And I was killing myself. And John Luke was helping me. And, and then, he, you know, one day he says, Dad, we can't do this. And it's like, what do you mean we can't do this? This is our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no. We've got to work with people who know what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like it was like the hardest thing for me to accept because it was like I needed to let go of all these small companies who were just wanting to churn out garbage just to get on the air. Right. And and I had been more than help, you know, willing to help them do that, you know, just take the check. Mm-hmm. But John Luke said, No, if we want to do the type of work that we want to get into, 
we need to find the people who understand that and appreciate that. And it was the biggest risk I've ever taken because I had to let go of 99% of my clients Mm. and, and trust John Luke to bid these jobs. This kid. Yeah. Some, yeah, yeah. He would, he would bid these projects and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, in this market, there's no way. Yeah. (laughs) And then they would go. Yeah. And then he would put clauses in for changes and, you know, and because what I, a novel concept, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I know. for changes. You, you look at, you, you find it funny now, but at the time, yeah. Oh yeah. It was huge. Yeah. And it was a big risk for us because it was like, you know, I knew how much we had to make every day in order to stay in business. And, right. and, and, um, and, but I gotta, I've got to just be honest. As soon as we went to that model, <clears throat> our production value skyrocketed mm. and then we started doing the type of commercials that we like to do and that we always wanted to do right yeah and we were able to afford the right people the right production crew the right you have all the elements there that we needed to help our clients be successful mm. because it you know it's not our success it's how well we can make the client success mm-hmm. you know so when we so when we do uh, advertisement for a client if they're successful with that commercial if they're successful with that campaign they'll come back and do more with us and for you Jean-Luc mm-hmm. your dad took a huge risk on this shift and this yeah. change and what was it that you saw that gave you this notion that, Dad, we need to change and we need to you know, focus on what we do well and get the clients that we want that pay yeah. well. Yeah, and I think, you know, to John's credit, it was probably like, <clears throat> can't see the forest from the trees, and, and he was doing a good job and making a lot of clients really happy. I think one of the things that I, I, I noticed during that time was that <clears throat> while we hadn't yet really defined these things we had a set of values that we were operating with Mm. we had uh, a desire to do things a certain way when clients would request to do things a way that didn't line up with those values Mm. we would cringe and we would you know talk amongst ourselves i can't believe they're making us put the phone number on the end screen and i can't believe they're (laughs) requesting this and that and i think it came down to recognizing that the people we were working with, the majority of the people that we were working with, we did have some great clients, but the majority of the people that we were working with didn't really share our core values, Mm. didn't care about the things that we cared about. We cared about um, attention to detail. We cared about clear messaging. (laughs) We cared about uh, uh, a look that was credible and matched with their business goals, you know? And I think that's what the shift was, is that realizing uh, we were targeting the wrong people and mm. we needed to shift our target to find people that valued the things that we did. And um, that I think that was the moment that, that changed everything where we, we found we got access to higher-end clients, we got access to um, higher-end agencies, people that understood what we did, and understood the value that we were bringing to the table. And I, I think for anybody, when you can, when your client, when their core values line up with your core values, I think that is so much better for everyone. It makes your life so much better. It makes the end result so much better. Everyone's happy. 
Yeah. And and at the time we were working with a lot of uh, the news stations, mm-hmm. and you know, and I don't want to diss the news stations. They they have uh, they have their job to do, but they sell air. It, it's right. yeah, it's a perfectly valuable right business, perfectly valuable goal. Mm-hmm. We just realized that wasn't our goal. Right. right. That, that those weren't our values. So we still love people that work at TV stations. We just recognize the people that buy production from tv stations have a different set of goals and values than the people who buy production from agencies like scope Mm -hmm. right they have different you know uh different measures of success and different goals and values yeah a lot of times they want to get something on air right they want to get something on air so they can sell the time and and you're competing against the production they want to sell the air time and there's only a, a a set amount of money and so Okay, we'll cheat on the production because then we can air it for, you know, three weeks longer. Right. Because that's where they make their money. Right. Um, Timeline-wise, you know, from the time that we made that shift to the time where I think we were really grooving for the first time, it was probably two, three years, don't you mm. think? Yeah, it took me it took me a long time to get my hands off the production. Right. Because it was competing ideas. I'd be saying to John Luke at the, on, on location, hey, shouldn't you set up over here? Shouldn't you do this? Shouldn't you do that? And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, let's get coverage. Let's, let's shoot everything. <laughs> yeah. and, and, he's, and John Luke's going, no, we don't need it. I don't yeah, need all the footage. Got a storyboard. It has 10 shots total. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, just roll the camera. Roll the camera. You know, because you never know. You might miss something. And and then he would come back with the footage that he would take, and I would see this this magic that happened because he had thought through the shots. He knew exactly what shots he needed, right. and in when what order he needed them. And when he and when he spent the time to create the moment, mm-hmm. rather than me saying, "Well, just cover everything and hopefully we'll get the moment," mm-hmm. you know. We started coming up with a with a much much higher quality product at the end that that actually conveyed an emotion or conveyed an idea or conveyed um, exactly what we were trying to yeah. accomplish. And it did take you know uh, from the time that we sort of in quotes decided that our target was wrong to the time <laughs> that we actually felt like we were doing what we wanted to do. It was, it was about two three years, and I think um, you know I had to. I had to prove that my ideas had a root in reality and mm-hmm. it wasn't just uh hey I read this thing in this book that says we should <laughs> do this because he's he's you know from the school of hard knocks and he learned it the hard way he was there he put in the time and work so if it didn't have a, a root in reality if it wasn't going to translate in real life you know he wasn't buying it and I sort of I wonder if other <clears throat> companies and business owners in Bakersfield have that uh let's call it like a shared appreciation for working with family, uh-huh. you know, in that you sort of have to maybe try extra hard to prove to the people that you're related to certain yeah. ideas are valid and work. But in the end, we both saw that the changes that we were making in, in who we were working with were an ultimate benefit to the end product, to the client and to us. Yeah, because we're both creative. We're both incredibly creative, and you know, and we come up with great ideas, and then we sort through those. But then, after we sort through those ideas and we start working with the client, we evolve into different roles. I become the producer, and he becomes how do I make this look on film, and and you know, 
the lenses I'm going to choose and what time of day we're going to shoot. I'm thinking how much is this going to cost me? How many people do we need on set? How many, you know, how many people do I have to feed? Uh, you know, I, I go in, into production you know, in the producer's role. And that works for me because I'm good at it. Right. And he, it works for him because he's good at what he does. Now I got to constantly hurry him up because he would take way more time on set. Than I was just thinking we've probably had like craft services budgets. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what craft services, craft services is basically what you call uh, food and snacks when you're on a set. Mm-hmm. We probably thinking about it now have craft services budgets that are bigger than like entire commercial budgets oh, from three five times, years ago. Three times, yeah, three times the commercial budget that we used to do. That's sort so, of a nice milestone to look at. Yeah, and that's just for snack. us. If you're interested in talking with John Slagle or Jean Luc Slagle here at Scope Studios, you can give them a call at 661 412 2265, or you can visit them at 3401 Chester Avenue, Unit G, here in Bakersfield. If you're interested in actually seeing their work and seeing a compilation of the things that they have done and how they can help you in your business, you can visit them at wearescope.com. That's wearescope.com, W-E-A-R-E-S-C-O-P-E.com. And as we begin to round out our interview this morning, what would you recommend to Visioneer Nation that they could use today to grow a strong and profitable business? I think for me, it all comes down to knowing who your target is. Um, when your target and their values align with your values as a company, I think that is step number one into um, having a product or service that connects with people. Having a clear target and then having clear strategic goals that you can then collaborate with on with companies. I think that's a, that's a pretty clear for step one and two to me. Yeah, and we're we're going through the process of being adaptable to change. You know, we do really high-end television commercials, but TV commercials are kind of waning a little bit. I mean, they're still there. Right. But there's much more advertisement on Facebook and Instagram, and, and we have to figure out how to modify those. So some of what we've been doing is modifying what we're doing for the original content, but now we're having to shift our focus to how do we serve our clients in these new markets because uh, in the next couple of years, we're only going to be doing stuff for social media and then modifying it for television right, right? rather than the other way around. So we're trying to figure out what that model is. And and your audience is changing as well. Their attention span is a nanosecond. Right. And so, you know, we take big ideas and we condense it. You know, people who write books write to expand. For video and television commercials, we write to contract. How do we get a idea across in the in the least amount of time? Yeah. And we're having to even contract that from 30 seconds to 15 seconds and to seven six, seconds yeah, six, six, seven and seconds. three seconds. Right. I mean, just to get an idea across. So it's it's a challenge, but it's kind of a fun challenge yeah. because we see what can we do in an instant yeah. that people would recognize and just get. Well, John, Jean-Luc, this has been a pleasure and uh, very informative, given a lot of great insight. And I thank you both for being on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Michael. Ron, why are you wearing an elf hat? 
It's October, the month of Halloween. It's because I'm thinking about my employees at Geronco's top clients that are going to have holiday parties this year. You're thinking about holiday parties in October? You betcha. Well, you need to plan ahead. You're going to need tables and chairs and flatware and glassware, depending on the size it is. Uh, weather's rolling in. May need a tent. May need some heaters. So you want to plan ahead and call us as soon as possible so we can make sure we have the gear on hold. But what if I want to reserve all of our party needs from you at Dronco Party Rentals? Michael, I'll let you and any member of Visioner Nation that listens to the podcast come down to our shop at 7501 East Brundage Lane right here in Bakersfield. Or give us a call at 661-325-0855. Or check out our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals.com. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and write that down. What was that? 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield. Or give us a call at 325-0855. Or check us out on our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J O. R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. That's 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield, 661-325-0855, or at Jeronco Rentals, that's J-O-R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business. 